Everybody doing all right today? Doing good? Good. Good. Well, I'm really excited. I had a chance to to take a few Sundays off from speaking, which is always good because if you speak every week, it gets a little redundant, a little dry. I know you would never say that to me, so I'm just going to say it for you. Uh, but, but had some incredible speakers. How many people were here last Sunday for Pastor Micah Pelkey? Wow, how incredible was Pastor Micah Pelkey? So good. Yeah, it was so, so good. He, he's incredible. And uh, he'll be back with us, you know, in a little bit. Uh, but I don't want to bring him too much. You guys, you guys like him a lot, and so I don't bring him too much. But uh, no, he's, he's incredible. But I'm excited. I'm going to take the next two weeks, maybe three. I hadn't decided. I may, I may do a third week. I'm not sure. But I want to talk about momentum. Everybody say momentum. Momentum is an incredible thing. If you're a sports fan, you know all about old Mo. Momentum is what happens when it looks like your team's going to lose, but all of a sudden an interception or a three-pointer or a sack or a fumble moment, all of a sudden the crowd goes crazy and you have momentum. Momentum. I I was uh, 12 years old, 11 years old. And I desperately for Christmas wanted a pair of rollerblades. Now, this was back, I'm 32, so this was 20 years ago when rollerblades were really cool, okay? And so I desperately wanted rollerblades. And my cousin Aaron, who's like a brother to me, about the same age, he wanted rollerblades too. And, uh, and that was kind of the gift that year for Christmas. And so I'm like, Dad, I want rollerblades. Aaron told his mom, Aunt Lynn, I want rollerblades. And, uh, and my dad goes out. Total dad move. Dads, you can appreciate this. My dad doesn't go out and get the best rollerblades. He gets the most uh, economically efficient rollerblades, okay? And so Christmas morning, we're at my grandfather's house. We open up the box, and we get, me and Aaron get the same pair of matching rollerblades from Toys R Us, which is not that bad. I didn't know any better. So we put on the rollerblades. Aaron and I go out into the, the parking lot of my grandfather's church. And we're skating, and we feel like like we are Olympians. I mean, we are like just going as fast as we can, feeling the, the wind in our hair, I guess you could say. I mean, we're just like loving it until I get home, and all my friends have rollerblades, and we're playing street hockey, and I realize that they are gliding past me at incredible speeds, and I am not actually rolling that much. I didn't realize that how much you should roll. And when I did a little research into my $29.99 rollerblades that my dad bought me, they didn't have bearings in the wheels. And so in essence, I was just running on ice skates on concrete. That's pretty much what my rollerblades were. And I, re- I didn't realize it until my friends were gliding. And, and as I'm talking about momentum for the next few weeks, this, this picture I get in my head is just this idea of, of when life kind of glides Momentum in our life, momentum in our marriage, momentum at our career spiritually, momentum in our relationship with God, it, it feels like a, just very little way back of resistance at all, and it just feels like a glide, like life is gliding. Now, I'm going to go way back. I'm going to tell you one more old story. If you're below the age of 25, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but there used to be this console called Super Nintendo. Anybody? Come on, Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. And there was a game for Super Nintendo called... Super Mario Kart, all right? Super Mario Kart. They've come out with like 20 versions since, but the original Super Mario Kart was where it at. And, and, and in Super Mario Kart, I don't know why my brain works weird like this, but as I'm thinking about these sermons about momentum, I could not get this image out of my mind of Super Mario Kart. In the game, they had these speed boost arrows. Does anybody remember Super Mario Kart? I brought a picture. Yeah, if you hit one of these arrows 
all of a sudden you would just take off and you would have this major speed burst. But if you ever missed the arrow and other people hit the arrow, you, they were just flying, flying by you. And I don't know why I thought of Super Mario Kart, but, but it made me think about the frustration sometimes in life when it feels like everyone else around you is just flying by you. Their career is taking off. Their marriage seems to be perfect. Their kids never do anything that makes their parents want to kill them. Uh, their relationship with God seems fruitful. And they talk about prayer like it actually works. And they talk about reading the Bible like they actually get something from it. And, and it seems like when you look around, everybody is just flying by you. And you don't have any momentum. You just don't have any momentum in life. I heard a, a guy named Craig Rochelle recently, he was talking about momentum, and he said this quote, and I've used it so much with the staff lately. But Craig Rochelle said, when you have momentum, you look better than you are. When you don't have momentum, you're better than you look. When you have momentum, you, you look better than you are. When your marriage, when your career has momentum, when your relationship with God has momentum, you kind of look better than the reality. But when you don't have momentum, the truth is, you would say today, you're better than, than you look. And so maybe you would say today, Jason, my career could use one of those Mario Kart speed bursts. Jason, my marriage could use one of those speed bursts. My life feels like those rollerblades that you bought, Jason, that you got as a gift. Like, I just don't feel like I'm going anywhere. I feel like I have to work 10 times harder than everybody else to make less progress than everybody else. My relationship with God feels uh, boring doesn't feel active. I don't feel like there's any fruit to that. You know, without spiritual momentum, prayer feels boring. You struggle to focus. Church feels pointless. Feels like a waste of time. Reading your Bible seems impossible. I've determined in my life, if I ever forgot something really important that I wanted to remember, I just start praying. Because once I start praying, everything comes to mind to distract me. So I, I never forget anything, right? But with spiritual momentum, it feels like God hears and answers prayers. It feels like church is alive and replenishing. The Bible is, is a roadmap. It's applicable. can't tell you how many times over 11 years here at the church that somebody's come up to me and they've decided to go to another church. And I don't, there's no ill will towards that. You know, we work through it at different, different places, different seasons. But so many times, it's really just the fact that they don't have any spiritual momentum. And so they attribute it to the church, but I could grab 20 other people and say, well, she's got momentum, he's got momentum. Maybe it's not necessarily the church, maybe it's something else, but that's how momentum is funny in our lives. It kind of causes us to think maybe that, that, that certain things are the answer when they're not. Without marriage momentum, talking turns into fighting. Don't raise your hand. Every little thing is annoying. When Andrea and I are not like gliding, when we don't have momentum and I get in the van and she has left a yogurt cup with a banana peel and a spoon for like 24 hours, it turns into a fight, a stupid yogurt cup, right? If I'd have known, who knows? Momentum to just, no, but it's, you know, every little thing's annoying. It's easier when you don't have marriage momentum to just avoid each other. With marriage momentum, a la honeymoon, a la you know, really working to make it work. You want to spend time together. You actually want to spend time together. You give each other the benefit of the doubt. Little things are romantic 
and, and exciting. What about career? Without career momentum, it's hard to get out of bed. Some of you are like, no, Jason, it's just always hard to get out of bed. Okay, I, I got it. I understand what you're saying. It's hard to get out of bed. You think your boss is an idiot? You show up late, you leave early. But with career momentum, it doesn't feel like a job. It feels like a calling. It feels like purpose. You really feel like you're making a difference no matter what your job is. You say, you know, I'm really making a difference. You're willing to do whatever it takes. And it's funny because you can take two people at the same church. You can take two people in the same marriage. You can take two people at the same job, same place, same people, but momentum makes all the difference. Everybody say momentum. And so what happens to us a lot of times is we think a change of scenery will fix everything. I just need a, a change of scenery, a new church, a new relationship, a new job will fix my problems. But you've probably figured out by now that that rarely fixes your problems. And the reason is because you take you with you to your new place. You with me? So a change of scenery is great. The problem is you took you to the new place. And yeah, a change of scenery feels exciting for a short time, no, no doubt. But who doesn't love a new car with a little new car smell? Come on. Who, who, doesn't, who doesn't love the butterflies of a first date or a first kiss or another wedding shower or a new pastor or a new church? But what happens every single time? Come on, we know how it works. We put the same fast food garbage bags in the floorboard of the new car just like we did the 87 Honda, right? We do it every, every time. We get sick of our new relationship. We get upset at somebody at the new church. And so as we're talking about momentum for the next few weeks, I really want my life, and um, this verse as a backdrop, I really want my life, I want your life to feel like Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1 verse 3 that says, That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. That, that, wither. That's just a way of saying, like, they got momentum. Whatever they do, Psalms 1-3 says, they, they, they prosper. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a pretty great life. A tree that's, that's resourced with water, producing fruit, not withering, and prospering. I would love a life like that. And I don't want life to feel like a sugar high and a crash and a sugar high and a crash. I want to be like a tree being refreshed by streams of water. But what's so challenging when you're trying to get momentum for your life when you don't have it, what's so challenging is getting started, right? I mean, it's easy to do things when you have momentum, but how do you get it if you don't have it? It's like a roller coaster, and when you start that roller coaster, you got to go up that hill, clankety, clank, 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 clank. You're going up the hill, up the hill, up the hill, up the hill. And that's how finding momentum in your life feels when you don't have it. It feels like you're pushing something uphill. Trying to do the right things without momentum feels like so much effort, so much work, pushing something uphill. Come on. It's like the first workout. Yeah? You know, I never get past the sore stage because I, I quit every week and a half. So, like, I'm always sore and never get past that. But that first, that first workout, it's like the second week of a diet. 
first week we can usually do. But that second week of a diet, it's like going to marriage counseling that first time. It's like trying to pray when prayer hasn't been working. It just feels like you're pushing something uphill. And getting started is a challenge sometimes, but a roller coaster. We can ever get to the top of the hill. Think about your favorite roller coaster you've ever ridden on. If we can ever get to the top of the hill, if we can ever push that marriage to the top of the hill, if we can ever push that diet, if we can ever push that prayer life, if we can ever push that, that marriage to the top of the hill, once we get to the top and momentum takes over, then it's fun. Then we know why we got on the ride. So how can we keep, how can we get momentum if we don't have it? How can I find it, Jason, if I've lost it? How can I make sure I keep it if I have it? I want to read you a story today from Matthew chapter 9. If you've got a Bible, pull that out. If not, really, it's going to be up on the, on the screen for you. But Matthew chapter 9, there's a story that really just resonated with me a few weeks ago in my devotion 3, okay? Here's what it says. It says, Matthew 9, 18, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader, Jesus was talking, a synagogue leader came and knelt down before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Now skip to verse 23. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he saw the noisy crowd and heard the funeral music. 24, get out, he told them. The girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. And after the crowd was put outside, however, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. And the report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. I love this story. I love that I serve a God who can bring dead things to life. Amen. Whatever you're facing today, whatever feels dead in your life, we serve a God who can bring it back to life. And so I want to just use this story today kind of as a representation, kind of symbolically for the things in our life that seem dead, the things in our life that are on life support. And we need momentum. We need resuscitation. We need resurrection. We need God to bring momentum. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you three thoughts from this story to help us with God. God obviously does it, but to help us to, to, to create some momentum in our life and to bring some dead things back to life. So I want you to write these down, take some notes. You may need it right now or you may need it six months from now, but I want you to write it down so I believe God will help you find it six months from now when you need it, okay? So this guy shows up to Jesus and says his daughter has died. But you can raise her to life. Jesus shows up. There's a funeral going on. He kicks everybody out. He goes in. He raises her to life, and everyone is in awe. Here's the first thought from this story in Matthew chapter 9. Number one, dead things stay dead as long as it feels like a funeral. Dead things stay dead as long as it feels like a funeral. What in your life right now is on life support? What in your life right now feels dead? Is it your marriage? Is it your career? Is it your parenting? Is it your relationship with God? Is it your financial situation in your life? 
I can promise you that a dead thing is going to stay a dead thing as long as it keeps feeling like a funeral. We want it to change, but the environment is where you go for dead things. And so if we want it to change, we've got to change the environment. Environment matters. I can promise you if your marriage feels like a funeral, it's going to be very difficult for life to show up in the middle of that marriage. You don't need to change spouses. You just need to change the environment a little bit. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of free marriage advice this morning. The marriage feels dead. You need to change the environment a little bit. Maybe you just send them a text that says, hey, I can't wait till you get home tonight. I'm going to change the, change the environment a little bit. He shows up, walks in the door, a little music playing in the background. Something like this. Yeah. Come on. See, we're changing the environment in the house. Now, I don't care how dead things come to life. You understand what I'm saying? Dead things start to live. Now, I'm not making light of every problem and every struggle that's going on in your house, but I can promise you that if you keep creating an environment that feels like a funeral, dead things are going to stay dead. You say, Jason, my career is a dead end. Wear a suit to work tomorrow. You say, I work at McDonald's. Wear a suit to work tomorrow. They will probably make you manager. I mean, just when you walk in the door. You say, well, that won't change anything. Watch and see if changing the environment doesn't spark some life. Spark some life. You say, Jason, I've tried spiritually. I just, I just, I can't really get it going. Go serve at a homeless shelter. Go on a prayer retreat. Serve in a ministry. Go teach a preschool class and explain Jesus to little children. Change up the environment. And what happens when you, you start changing the feel of a funeral is things start coming to life. Now, I'm not putting my own kind of words into the scripture. I don't want to be that brave because Jesus has the ability to do anything that he wants to do. But I do find it interesting that before Jesus raised her to life, he kicked everybody out who wanted a funeral. And so Jesus said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. Get out. He had to change the environment up a little bit. As long as the funeral music was playing, as long as everybody kept you know, bringing the flower arrangements, it was going to be hard for something dead to come to life. And Jesus said, I'm going to change the environment. I love this. Bryant McGill said, enthusiasm is the energy and force that builds literal momentum of the human soul and mind. I'm going to blow some of your minds right here. Your whole life could change if you began to smile. Now, I'm not naturally a smiler, okay? I'll shoot some videos, and I'll think, I had the biggest grin on my face, and I look like this. Um, different personalities, but don't ever underestimate enthusiasm, even when you have to fake it to get the cart to the top of the hill. You say, well, Jason, I don't feel romantic. Fake it. You say, Jason, my career's not really... Just, Act like you're the CEO and wear a suit tomorrow and and just walk in with confidence and fake some enthusiasm. You say, Jason, when I worship, I don't feel anything. 
Give me the best fake, enthusiastic worship you can come up with. And what I believe happens is when we decide to be enthusiastic about something that was dead, all of a sudden Jesus starts bringing life and resurrection to something in our life. Sometimes you got to fake it till you make it with some enthusiasm. Now, I don't have a ton of time to talk about this, but one of the reasons we do what we do at this church just so you kind of know the heart behind what we do. Some of the reasons we turn lights down or, or turn lights up or turn music up. And it's, we got earplugs in the back. Some of you guys are like, it's too loud. We brought some earplugs for you. So we want you to be a part of this church. But one of the reasons that we try to set the environment that we do is because environment matters. Environment matters. Anybody ever been to a dead church? Let me see your hand. Have you ever been to a dead church? Yeah, yeah. It's hard for dead things to come to life at a funeral. And we believe that God is alive. And so we want God to feel alive. And so we're up here. And that, that Pastor Kim does what she does with our kids. The reason we do what we do. The reason Andrea and the team are up here, you know, singing Turn It Up and jumping and, and, and all that stuff is because environment matters. And so you show up in here and your life is in a bad place. And you look around and you say, hey, this feels like a place where something could happen. This feels like a place where the Holy Spirit, where the, the Spirit is in the room. This feels like a place where dead things come to life. And so I just bring that up because if there's ever a time where you're bothered because the music's too loud or something like that, I just don't, don't think about your preference necessarily. Think about the person who needs something dead to come to life. And remember, environment matters. Environment matters. Just think Marvin Gaye, all right? Number one, dead things stay dead as long as it feels like a funeral. Number two. It takes a prophetic voice to see life when everyone else sees death. We're talking about momentum, dead things coming to life, gliding, getting some, some progress in our life. It takes a prophetic voice to see life when everyone else sees death. Now, I want to be very clear because I'm not like a super hyped up word of faith type of guy. She was dead. They weren't, like, making it up. Like, when Jesus showed up, she was dead. I'm not talking about denial, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Have you ever met someone who believed as long as they didn't admit something, it wasn't true? I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. Like, bro, you're sick. You got the flu. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not broke. I have money in my bank account. No, you don't have any money in your bank account. You're in denial, all right? I'm not talking about denial. What I'm talking about is facing the reality, but adding but God to the end of the sentence, right? My marriage is almost over, but God can bring something dead to life. My career feels like a dead end. My kids don't want anything to do with me, but God. My, 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 the money just doesn't, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be broken in debt the rest of my life, but God. Look at what the father said in Matthew 9, 18. My daughter has just died. What's that next word? But. My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. I don't know what you're facing today and what you're feeling in your life, what you feel like is over. But God has the ability to bring dead things to life. And I really want to encourage you to be careful about the voices in your life that are always speaking death. Always speaking death. If all of your girlfriends are saying he's a bum, you need to get rid of him, that's, that's dead talk. 
If all of your guy friends are saying, why would you waste your time on her? That's dead talk. If your friends are saying, your career's going nowhere, you're never going to amount to anything, that's dead talk. If your non-believing friends are saying to you, why are you wasting your time with faith? That's dead talk. It takes a prophetic voice to see, de- to see life where everyone else sees death. And so what are you looking at right now in your life? And maybe everybody else around you is saying it's dead, it's over, it's pointless, it doesn't matter. But there's something unshakable in you that just says, I just don't feel like it's over yet. I know it looks bad, I know it looks dead, but I just feel like it's sleeping. It's not dead, it's just sleeping. It takes a prophetic voice. What is God saying to you? What is the feeling that you cannot shake? What dreams need to come back to life? What relationships need to come back to life? It's easy to go with death speak. It's easy to be a realist. It's easy to be the devil's advocate. It's easy to be cynical. I heard somebody say the other day, this was fantastic. They said, they said, cynicism is the language of those who are afraid to say they have hope. I love that. So good. But what if you stood up and said, listen, it's not dead. It's just sleeping. It takes faith and courage. It takes a prophetic voice to see life where everyone else sees death. Number two. Number three. People will laugh when you challenge their status quo. But they will be in awe when they see the miracle. People will laugh when you speak prophetically that something's not dead. People will laugh when you say one day, I'm going to be a manager of that company. People will laugh when one day you say one day, I'm not going to be single. People will laugh when you say one day, um, I'm going to write a book. People will laugh one day when you say one day, I'm going to make a CD. People will laugh when you say one day, I'm going to start that business. People will laugh. Because we don't know how else to respond to somebody challenging the status quo. And so when you show up looking at life and you show up and you say it's not dead, it's sleeping, people are like, dude is lost his mind. You're crazy. You're nuts. But after the miracle happens, everybody's in awe of your faith and your momentum. Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. People don't know what they want. People don't have faith for you. People don't have belief in your ability. If you have some, get close to them. These people were just stating the obvious. They were realists. And the majority, the crowd in your life will always choose the status quo. They may not intentionally try to pull you down, but they will just, because they don't want to be forced to change themselves, they will just subliminally or accidentally or subconsciously try to hold on to death instead of speak life. If you're overweight and you have friends that all go on a diet, you either start dieting or find new friends. That's the way it always works. You just don't want to talk about it. If all your friends are going to school and you're not, you either sign up to go to school or you find new friends. It's just the way that we're wired as human beings. Don't expect the crowd to have faith like you do. I wanna challenge you today. It's so easy to be 
a realist. It's so easy to be a voice of cynicism, to be a voice of doubt. You hear me say it all the time, but come on, the devil doesn't need any advocates. I don't need you in my life being a realist. I need you being a voice of life. I need you being a voice of hope, and you need that too. Let's don't be part of the crowd who always tells somebody why it won't work. Let's don't be a part of the crowd who laughs when somebody says they're starting a new diet for the 14th time. Let's don't be a part of the crowd who says, you know what, that's probably a little bit too big of a dream for you. Let's be a part of voice in someone's life that speaks life. A prophetic voice for someone. Let's be the person who sets the environment for miraculous things to happen. When you don't have momentum, it seems like you'll never get it. When it's not working, it seems like it's never going to work. But I just wanna just declare for you today that, that what you think is dead is not dead, it's just sleeping. It's just sleeping. And I believe with all of my heart that God wants to do the miraculous in your situation. He wants to do the miraculous right where you are. Maybe it's healing in your body. So many people this summer in our church have been getting terrible reports from the doctor. We've been praying as a staff. It just feels like so many things have been coming against us this summer, but we're not gonna just take a defeated mindset. Well, you know, that's what the doctor said. He's smarter than me. It's what the test said. I know that's what the test said, but God is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably exceedingly above all that we could ask or think. Does anybody believe that this morning? I'm fired up a little bit this morning. And so maybe it's a medical report. Maybe it's, we've talked about marriage a lot. So many marriages struggling or in trouble. Maybe it's a career, maybe it's finances, maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's your relationship with God that feels dead. I don't even know where to find faith, Jason. It's not dead, it's just sleeping. It's not dead, it's just sleeping. And I believe when we change the environment and begin to believe and speak prophetically that the God who is able will raise it back to life. Let's pray.